Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch and welcome to Overcast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode will bring you the latest insights, advice and technical updates for the sheep industry. In this week's episode, we're joined by Sheep Better Farm Program Participant Eddie Gavin, his advisor Owen Wolf, and Program Manager Frank Campion. Farmer just outside Bagmanstown in County Carlow, Eddie runs a split flock. He describes the performance of daily lamb and ewes and how maintenance went for the mid-season flock. We move on to discuss his use of forage crops carry the ewe flocks during the winter months. Eddie describes what was sown and how he's managing grazing the different crops. With a good autumn, Owen chats about how these crops have yielded locally this year and the levels of utilisation have been achieved during the early stages of grazing this season. Eddie explains how he plans to graze these crops post lamb with the early oats, and how the multiples in the mid-season flock will be housed shortly after scanning, with only the singles and new lamb replacements remaining on those crops during February. Transition of these crops with yews in late pregnancy can be tricky, and Frank explains the potential risks and offers advice on how best to manage that nutritional change during that period of the year. Finally, we finish up with own tackling the question possibly using these crops to finish store lambs as opposed to winter ewes. We start off, however, with Eddie giving us a bit of background to his farming system and the ewe flock that he's running. There's about 320 ewes on roughly 100 acres of grass and there's buy-in roughly 30 calves a year, keeping till forward stores sold in the mart, might finish some of them, and around 100 acres of tillage. So it's very much a mix for Eddie. Like the old flock you're working with, what type of ewe have you in it at the moment? You used to be kind of a, like a, a Suffolk Boris type ewe, but we're after introducing a bit of Belcare the last couple of years there. Still bought a few Boris ewes this year, but a bit last time, last year. <clears throat> so that kind of Suffolk, you're moving that kind of Suffolk Belcare across ewe? Yeah. And, and we that- Charlotte, we're putting Charlie Rams. We were putting all Charlie, but now we're Belclare and Suffolk, with two Belclares and two Suffolks now. And that, flo- that flock is split, so it is, you're, you're doing a portion early lamb the whole time? Yeah, last year we had a good few culls and I thought they were in great condition and I decided to put them to an, put lamb them early and I've done the same this year. We have 78 this year in lamb, or gone to the ram and there's 68 in lamb. And they're starting a lamb when roughly, Eddie? About the 15th to 20th of January. Okay. You went with a natural mate and them. So how long was the Rams in with them for? Exactly a month, 30 days. I left the Ram with, and um, then when the others, I put the Rams out with the others then around the 8th of October. I stuck a little Ram lamb, Charlie Ram lamb, back in with the earlier ones just in case there was a couple not tipped. And he, got, he marked a few there. I think he marked four or five yards. So and, uh, a fairly good hit for them. What kind of scan had they? Um, when you take out the empties, they were 1.78 with what's in lamb. That's what the scan was on them, 1.78. So that's that batch of the way. So the main bulk you always end up coming in in the mid-season. When are they due to lamb? March on first of, Mar- first of March, yeah. Okay. Scanning them the 5th of January now, coming up. And you're not meeting new lambs? No. So, just from a management point of view on the farm at the moment, like you have your grazing ground closed up, you have that bit of tillage, you have a bit of cover crops and catch crops going in for the winter. Yeah, we always saw about, depends on what the way the fields work out, but we have, um, we have 16 and 22, 38 acres of cover crops this year. And one field is 
uh, Red Start and Gorilla and other field then is a bit of whatever was left in the in the drill, a bit small bit of Gorilla and the rest of it is double turnips. Okay. And you, you've used that for the last couple of years? Uh, we, we, used to grow, we used to grow beet and we used to always have beet tops. So, so when the beet went, it's only the last four or five years, five, six, six years maybe they were growing the cover crops just for the out winter the sheep. And just like what those might be familiar, when did you start grazing that, Eddie? Uh, <clears throat> around the 10th of October there, there I let some of the yaws in on it there. The, the main bunch of yaws, the 240 yaws, was a field of grass right beside it, very strong, and I just let them into a corner of it. That's just for... I thought I had enough room, but they never went near it, to be honest. So he barely picked that instead in the grass for it. And then I would have moved them onto the stubble turnips after after the rams were finished with them. And I put the early oars on the rape, the fodder rape, the red start. What, what kind of blocks are you giving them? Like you're going three day with blocks, you're going a week? Or? With the early oars and the weather was so good, I was giving them enough for a week. Every Sunday I used to move the fence. So I suppose I was giving them half an acre to two quarters of an acre maybe for the week and with the other ones I was just giving them enough for I, at the start I gave them a couple of acres there but I'm only moving it every second day now because um, they're, they're going through the stubble terms fairly hard on me there this year so I'm just giving them enough for a couple of days just so to make sure to eat it because if you don't it'll walk them into the ground like with the wet weather As well as up to now the one big advantage was you had two big benefits you had good growing conditions and you had reasonably good grazing conditions as well. Utilisation would have been good enough up to the last week or two. Yeah, I gave, them, I gave the boat lots of bale of silage there, but the the second bunch are eating it, all right, but the, the early oars are only picking at it. Kind of sorry, I give it to them. <laughs> they, might, they might be glad of it yet. Oh, and I'm just going to bring you in here at this point. Like, it's been a reasonably good back end for growth, picking in grass conditions. Have the crops performed the same in that area? Yeah, the the crops, the fodder crops have been very good this year, uh, Kieran. Like they'd be traditionally grown in you know, the area where Eddie's from there around so in the southeast. And like a lot of a lot of the lads would be would be putting them in, might have their own bit of equipment and that and there'd be you know, there'd be farms that would have nearly all sheep sheep and tillage farms. A lot of those lads grow them like Eddie, they would have traditionally been beet growers. But we've been out and looking at a good few there on the ground and this because of the, they were they got the, they got they got them in in time. You know the likes of Eddie's there, the where he grew those um, hybrid rapes. Like the, they they got in they got in there the end of July, early August. There was a drop of rain then, so they got them up established. And there was sure there was great growth there all right through September into into October and continued on into November. And like when we measured a few, we were getting a five ton of dry matter per hectare, which would be exceptional. You know it'd be. It'd be nearly one of the best years I've ever I've ever seen for the, for them, you know. And like Eddie was saying there as well, the the with the weather being so good, there was excellent um, grazing conditions for the lads who started grazing them there, because um, and you know you're getting they're getting high utilization out of them, and you know that they're um, they're get, that, that that's a key thing and the utilization because if if the weather goes wrong and you you know you you can you won't get the value out of you know you'll go through the area a lot quicker, so that's been so that's been good so far. Maybe it was a bit difficult there last week when we had the, when we had the big storm, but 
other than that, it's been very good. It can have a big impact, but you're looking at roughly something a half ton and a ton ahead of previous years. Yeah, I'd say well, I'd estimate that, uh, Karen. And even do you know, because like Eddie was saying there, a lot of the lads that kind of have two two types of the of the fodder crops. There's a sort of that that hybrid where you get the interval, the red starter and gorilla, like they, they and they're usually sown after the winter after the winter crops because they and they're sown you know for around just before the August bank holiday weekend and they have a really high yield potential. And the other type then that are sown usually they're sown sort of mid mid August. And the, sometimes they, they're sort of a mixture of fodder rape and if you turn up and some of the lads are sowing them for, because they, they're in the last scheme. They don't have as high yield potential. and um, But still, they've all grown really well this year. Like, and you know, you go into fields and, and they're all well up over your knee. Like, you know, so the, 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 there is, um, the, the, uh, it's a good, a good year on the fodder crops, yeah. It's one way definitely in short term. Eddie might just come back to you for a moment. Like, what's your plan with these crops? When are the O's going to come off? I suppose the earliest are the first ones um, that will probably have to come off it for housing. Yeah, um, I'd probably start giving them a touch of meal now soon, any day. And I'd probably bring them in over the Christmas. And uh, I might let the, the O lambs on to that red start for just a couple of weeks. And I'll probably keep the recipe then for when the yos go out of the shed, the early yos go out of the shed with the lambs. It worked well last year. Now the lambs, you'd find it hard to see in it, but they got used to it. They were all right. So, some of that's what they on. Roughly, what age would you be putting them back out at, Eddie? Uh, two, three weeks, I think I put them on it last year. Now, last year, I just, I had I just I hadn't any, any of it grazed. This year, I'll have half the field grazed, so it'll have room, they'll have more room to run around like the I'd be just moving the fence where last year to get them going on it was slow because the field like they had nowhere to go, I had nowhere to put them the trucks, you no, know, for the sheep or anything, like you know. So this year has be better for them. That's what I was just gonna ask you. You were supplementing as well on the crop yeah, last I was, year. Post turnout. Yeah, I was giving them a bit, yeah. Just just get to yours to come to the truck, like it's to see them as well, like you know, but well, I got very wet too there last year for a couple of days. Like the wars, I'd be straight. The wars stuck in the ditch there for a while, but they were okay. The oars were in great condition. Like really too good. There's a bit of an insurance policy with doing that as well. So there is apart from the benefit for herding. Yeah, the mid-season ewes then, Eddie. What's the plan with them on the crops? I say I'll bring them in a bit earlier this year. I'll say I'll have to. They're they're walking through the stuff fairly quick there now this year, and by I say by. The 20th of January, I'll probably put them in. I might put in the doubles after scan. I not, I didn't really see how many doubles I have first, but um, I say I'll be putting them in a lot uh, earlier. I usually was around the 10th of February, but I think I'll be putting them in a bit earlier this year. You have to get wait and see what the numbers turn out like, but your use yeah, on excellent so. I'll probably leave out the singles till near enough lemon. I'll put in the doubles and the triplets. Frank, I might just bring you in at this point. Like, we talk a lot about transition onto these crops. What about transition off them? Is there a bit of a risk there, and is it something we don't maybe account for enough? Yeah, it's it's a fair point here, and we we get very up head up about the transitioning on and having a run back area, or you know, putting them onto it slowly so that they adapt to it. But it is just as important taking them off it that we give them that level of care as well, particularly. You know, you take Eddie's case here now, he's taking them off when they're in late pregnancy, they're in those final few weeks before lambing, and we know that that's kind of when yours are at their most sensitive in terms of their nutrition. So 
we need to adapt them off it slowly and you know part of that comes into some of the imagined things that Eddie's already touched on so certainly what we don't want and it's the same for yours coming off crops as in anything we don't want a sudden change in diet in that kind of last month or so we want to if we have to change the diet we want it to be gradual so before they come off the crops they do need to bale of silage out with them they do need to be already getting their, their meal that they're going to be getting when they go into the shed so that when they do come into the shed then and they're only getting the forage be it silage or hay or straw and they're getting the concentrates that they've already had some of that in the diet so that it's not a complete dietary change they're just losing some of the forage crops out of it and I suppose the big thing with that too is that as we're getting the build up to lamb and I suppose the temptation is well we're getting good nutrition out of forage crops we might cut back on the meal slightly and that's fine but we then can't suddenly throw the oats onto a very high level of meal in the shed. They need to be built up slowly again. And we need to account for that when we're taking them off the crops as well, that we do that correctly, that we don't lead to acidosis. And look, and we've seen over the years, myself and yourself and the other lads, with, you know, through the Better Farm program and different things that, you know, these crops and all work exceedingly well. But if we don't get that adaptation right, any upset or major dietary change in those last weeks before lamb can cause a big can cause a lot of problems you know it can lead to increases in all the, the things we really don't want to see in the lamb and shed be it twin lamb disease milk fever increasing prolapse cases you know so in order to keep them to a minimum we need to get the adaptation coming off the crop right so in eddie's case bringing the twins and the triplets the higher risk ones in earlier is probably a more sensible option exactly exactly and he'll get he'll be able to keep his singles out longer they're going to be getting lower levels of meal anyway so it'll be easier to adapt them off the, the crop and as you said those higher risk triplets and twins yep yeah, bring them in first is the sensible option particularly your triplets and your quads they're going to be your most i suppose sensitive to a dietary change of the ones most under a, a nutritional pressure for the last few weeks before lambing so they should be the first off it well, I'm maybe going to throw this one as open any of the three is the one answer but is there a potential there on farms like eddie's maybe eddie's in particular for finishing store lambs on some of these crops, maybe looking at that option of housing you was earlier on your typical silage date and using that crop to finish off lambs? I'd say they, I'd say they would, Kieran, uh, but I think it want to be on a planned basis. Um, so that you'd, you'd want to be happy enough that you have your housing set up and that you, you're not, you're, you're not uh, going from, going to cause a problem in the shed and that you're doing everything that Frank is saying with the transition right. Um, I suppose the one of the benefits I see out there w- with the fodder crops where, where lads are using the oats, that is a good way of uh, saving up grass for the springtime. So you definitely wouldn't want to be uh, sacrificing the grass that you saved up for the springtime. The other thing is, I suppose, from a management point of view, you want to have, like Eddie has very good fencing in his field and you want to have fencing in, in the field with the fodder crop that you can manage it. And I mean, there is a there is definitely a benefit in the following tillage in the following tillage crops where you recycle back the manure the manure from the sheep back into into the ground, and um, that you know, with if we can maintain these the sheep prices at the higher rates, you know that that there is money in it for both parties now for the for the store lands, and you know that there would be an opportunity for some people, but it's about getting that bit those bits of detail right. That they can, they can, um, they can, man- they can, so they can manage manage the yours and the store lambs together correctly. Eddie, you're going to have a couple of weeks of reprieve before Hall gets busy in your farm. But it's great hearing a bit more about your system and what's happening on the farm. I'm sure it's something we're going to have more updates on in the coming months and years as part of the Better Farm program. But look, really appreciate your time. The three yesterday, it was great having you on and great getting an insight to that system. Thank you. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Karen.
We're going to finish the episode up at this point. You can keep track of Eddie's performance and that of the other Better Farm participants in the Chugga Sheep newsletter that comes out each month. It's also available on the Chugga's website and on the Better Farm page under the Sheep section of the Chugga's website. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for any updates from the Sheep program, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chugga Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and listen in to any of our episodes.